question is do we admit to the listeners quite how long it's been since we last recorded an episode I think it's probably worthwhile just in case if anyone wonders it's been about four or five weeks since we last recorded an episode in that time The Force Awakens has come out so we may make some reference which probably won't make any sense listening to this in sort of February March time but just so that you understand why we're talking about it if we do on the flip side should be little need for a spoiler alert (laughs) I'm still trying to avoid them like oh my god can you believe it was Jar Jar all along (laughs) no he is supremely the Snoke yeah he's he's horribly deformed in a Gungan Wharf (laughs) after war ceremony Welcome to this week's episode of Remedial Nerding, the podcast where three nerds force each other to watch something that they really should have already seen. Your friendly neighbourhood nerds this week are Nathan, Dan and me, Paul. Remember, there's no such thing as a bad nerd. So, who's going to introduce this bad boy? Well volunteered. Thanks. (laughs) It's this when everyone lines up and they ask for a volunteer and everyone steps backwards except for me. <laughs> yep, that's it. The message. Picking up where we left off last time, after the Lassiter heist, Mal and the crew are trying to shift it on a space station that just looks to be like an intergalactic mall. Billboards everywhere. It's great, because in space, no one can read your sign. Or well, presumably <laughs> you can if you speak Chinese. <laughs> and you're close enough, yeah. Um, they go to the post office, as you do, and there happens to be a delivery for Zoe and Mal, and uh, it's from an old war buddy of theirs. When we first spoke about this last time, obviously we talked about the Netflix summaries and the uh, the reveals, with it being Yusuf Bridge <laughs> yeah. in the last episode. Mm. And, and her husband. Remember, Nathan, you were complaining about it a little bit, about it giving it away, but that was very early on in the episode. And then you spoke about the Netflix giveaway about it being a dead body that's not dead of their old crewmate this time. Oh, nice. That was significantly further into the episode. That yeah. was a good halfway yeah, through. Yeah, it was like 30 minutes into dead. the episode. Yeah. 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 So I think your points about the last episode and Netflix are definitely valid this time round. Yeah. The Netflix mm-hmm. definitely uh, Yeah, definitely ruined this episode with that bit of foreknowledge. Speaking of which, let's hit play. Yeah. And get a nice previously on I'm not sure they really needed this previously on, because all it establishes is we stole something and now we're trying to sell it, and they only mention it twice, I think. Yeah, but it does kind of form the basis of why they're there. As previously on Fireflies go, though, it's pretty short and sweet. Mm. That's true. Yeah, it is literally we've robbed something. This is it. In case you've forgotten. So this is kind of like a East meets West countryside town, but it just happens to be on a space station. Yeah. Do you think it's a bit of a uh, a bazaar? I thought it was a bit of a Wild West travelling show. It is bizarre. I think it's a bit of it's a bit of all that all rolled into one because it's got the freak show here. Yeah, I like that every science fiction and fantasy f- pre- um, franchise has to have this scene at some point, which is a little here's what's real and what's not in our setting moment. 
Yeah. The, the, and these the, days, the, it's mostly the protagonist googling something. But this is their way of saying, "Yep, there are no aliens in our setting." Yeah, it's just a deformed cow fetus that good old Simon yeah. gets to spoil for everyone. But can we point out Simon and Kaylee on a date? Kind, kind of, yeah. I, I think it's pretty acknowledged that it's a date. It's certainly attempting to be, but good old Simon snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Oh, doesn't he just? I'm so on Simon's side. That's a funny thing no. to say. No! <laughs> At no point on the Look. date do you suggest that she is your last viable option. <laughs> the last girl in the world is a funny thing. Admittedly, it should maybe have stayed inside his head. But I am a... That's... I very much identify with the that's hilarious, I'll say it and come, have it come out of my mouth and into other people's ears where they will all assuredly find it just as funny as I did. A bit of an I immediately regret this decision. See, what he should have done, and obviously he wouldn't be something if what he should have done is gone for the cheeky kiss. I, I would like to state for a fact that I would have done exactly what Simon did and forgot to engage the filter and just said shit like that. It's, as he confesses, He's not good at talking to girls. Yeah, tries to play it off as a joke, but but not. He started off so well. Bless him. <laughs> well, I'm glad I rated them de- higher than dead Bessie here. What <laughs> if they were meant to have the room to themselves for five minutes, and immediately after, Kaylee starts storming out, Zoe and Wash walk in? <laughs> yeah, it's a good job they didn't get on the floor and start doing the bad thing. I, I thought the cheeky kiss was way out of character for Simon. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm... I'm yeah, I'd be very upset by your edit. I, I love watching that scene. Ours <laughs> oh, is a peaceful race. <laughs> oh, look, it's so horrifically disfigured. Oh, there's a dead cow. So I like how Inara knows what the Mona Lisa is and Mal doesn't. I don't. I think that's played for a joke, but I actually think it, I like it because this is meant to be, what, 500 years in the future? Mm. Yeah. So my question for you guys is: Can you think of something that was made a thousand years ago and was really famous five hundred years ago, like the Lindisfarne Gospels or something? Lincoln Cathedral, the Trojan Horse—that was famous, right? That was possibly didn't exist. But the difference between <laughs> the Mona Lisa and the uh, Lincoln Cathedral is that we didn't leave Lincoln Cathedral on a different planet in a different star system. <laughs> but equally, a thousand years ago from now, we hadn't invented you know the internet and digital data storage. We also haven't invented the ice planet, which looks to be a bowl of ice cream on a string. Why have we not a curious got this? confection? I'm sure someone's tried to make it and not got their business off the ground. Well, I think it'd be fine until about 30 seconds later when it starts to melt all over your face and gets in your eyes and hair. Anyway, what I was going to say is I hate it when science fiction things are set 500 years in the future, but everyone is extremely familiar with the culture of 1953 to 2020. I, I like this post office scene. It's very family again, isn't it? Oh, the, the letter from Jane is just fantastic. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's obviously not very good at reading, but he's busy reading a letter from his mum. And the introduction of that famous hat... As soon as he yes. gets to the word enclosed, he's just like, ooh! ooh. <laughs> Gotta go Meanwhile, everyone else is trying to work out what the hell is in this massive box that no one asked for. It's a good Yeah, hat. given the number of Firefly posts on your Facebook wall recently, you've probably seen an advert for that hat. <laughs> I kind of want one. I like the fact that it's a pretty cunning hat. Is the postmaster Jewish? Well, he's certainly wearing a yarmulke, so I assume so. So is this the, the second religion that's featured? Because we've had Space Bible. So you think he's reads Space Torah at night? Yeah. And goes to the Space Synagogue? Yeah. Uh, Jane, what'd you order a dead guy for? They didn't need to order out for one. I'm sure Jane could have rustled one up quite easily <laughs> on his own. 
as he's wont to do. I hadn't actually spotted that that guy was Jewish, though. It was quite subtly done. Mm. Mm. He may just like little hats. This is an episode for hats. I don't think one character getting a hat makes it an episode for hats. It's just an episode with a hat in it. So based on... You'd already read the Netflix summary. Did you see... Oh, wait, that must be the guy who's actually alive. I wonder when it will reveal that he's actually alive. Yeah, that was exactly what I thought. Forgotten that. Yeah. No, no, I remembered. I thought, that hmm, that box looks suspiciously human-sized. Oh, so that completely deflates the first half hour of this episode, then. And then a quick war flashback. We don't get many war flashbacks. Is this the first actual flashback we've had since the pilot? Because we had them discussing the war. In war stories, obviously, enough. The first war one, yeah. This yeah. is the flashback to when Mal bought Serenity, but that's about it. Mm, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. They don't go back as far as the war in, in Out of Gas, do they? No. Um, in... What was the other one where they did the... Yeah, that was Out of Gas, weren't it? And they did the short time hops back and forward. Yeah, Yeah, that's Out of Gas. I thought there was another one. Has he not seen Starship Troopers? Does he not know you never take your helmet off? <laughs> Even to eat a can of Spam. Why is that Alliance Trooper wearing a Nazi helmet? <laughs> so that you know he's the bad guy, Dan. <laughs> oh, oh, right. <laughs> of course. And so you don't feel quite so bad when Zoe slits his throat. <laughs> <laughs> Zoe is an absolute badass. Yeah, she is a god of war there. 8 minutes 30, the first murder in this episode. <laughs> it's war, it's Although not murder. Again, it's war. War, not murder. Yeah, legally it's not murder. Fair enough. I'd, I'd love this scene for highlighting Zoe and Mel's difference of approach. <laughs> yeah, the Stone Cold Professional versus the uh, cowboy that Mel is. <laughs> quite literally. Although he's been quite effective, apparently, in coming back with intelligence. Followed by, woohoo, I'm right here, I'm right here, and shitloads of gunfire. See, stuff never happens that well-timed in real life. Oh yeah, but that's the kind of thing we accept in fiction. Incredibly good timing, and no one ever thinks of the perfect thing to say halfway down the stairs. <laughs> yeah, a lot of wartime back and forth, establishing Tracy. They did quite a good job at building his backstory pretty quick, didn't they? Yeah, another man with a girl's name. I was going to say, do you think Tracy is less of a, a girl's, girl's name, name than Jay? In- to American ears, because they've got Dick Tracy and things, so maybe... Because to us, being British, Tracy suggests a woman who was born between 1979 and 82. I mean, very specifically. When it came up on the subtitles, it was Tracy with an E-Y, which would imply surname. Yeah, that's true. And, and Americans are more... Comp- it could be a surname, couldn't it, that they just always refer to him by? That yeah, would be quite especially military in the military thing. Especially military yeah. yeah. Private Tracy. But, yes, but to us, it could be Private Melissa, Private Jessica... Private I, Tiffany. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I've seen those. Private Dancer. <laughs> oh, you two and your comically misinterpreting <laughs> perfectly innocent comments. I love everyone's lack of weapon discipline. It's always great to just wave a loaded weapon around in front of you. Nah, it's war. It's fine. There's no one around. Apart from, you know, your corporal and the private. And the lieutenant. True. Oh, here comes a tank through the wall. Nah, I think the lieutenant bought it. Did he buy the farm? I think he bought the farm. So now the postmaster's getting a bit twitchy. Human transportation's very illegal. Which I guess retroactively puts a spin on the uh, the pilot, where it turned out um, Simon was transporting River in a box. True, yeah. But he wasn't using the postal Which... service. <laughs> well, that's true, I suppose. Also true. Courier. I tell you what, I did once order off uh, eBay, on an Amazon merchant place, I think, some you know, canisters of um, cleaning fluid of some kind. A couple of days later, we got a letter, th- a like leaflet through the um, thing saying, uh, "Royal Mail here. We didn't deliver your parcel because it was wildly dangerous." 
And day after that, got an email saying, we've arranged another courier. He doesn't ask any questions. <laughs> Good old royal man. Guy who turned up, interestingly, was smoking a cigarette at the time. I didn't tell him what was in it. So, there. Um, River calls Simon, Simon, you're such a boob. <laughs> Did someone tell her, or is she, uh, this is River as a psychic again and has known that has <laughs> made a tit out of himself? Again. I think from the looks that... that everyone kind of gave him as he made the comment of did we get something fun I think that may have been the comment she was referring to him as a boob for Mm, maybe I love Simon but you don't have to be psychic to think he may have been a boob (laughs) (laughs) fair fair one well you can see that um, (laughs) that Kaylee's pissed off with him when he suggests to do an autopsy on the apparently dead body which is not not a particularly outlandish suggestion so they they all stand around and listen to the recording, and they all seem really kind of shocked by this guy turning up dead. Even those that didn't know him are kind of moved. For Mal and Zoe, at least, it's kind of a cautionary tale, because he is apparently what they could have become if they hadn't yeah. dealt with the, with the Declaration of Peace quite as well. I mean, not that they necessarily dealt with it that well, but better than this guy, anyway. Yeah, he's definitely struggled to come to terms with things. I guess that um, posthumous um, epilogue is a bit less poignant when you're thinking any minute now he's going to sit up. I liked how you saw everyone was obviously shaken up, um, shaken up by this dead guy. And the message that he's left, it's quite sincere and sweet. And it obviously touches a few nerves because they've all kind of fallen in with not a bad crowd, but they're certainly not on the right side of the law. I think it's also you know, James just had this letter from his mum, yeah. and this guy wants his body taking back, back to his to parents. Him. So everyone's probably thinking about their family, and like yeah. you said, what would happen if some, if you know, if they don't make it? As soon as the, the recording starts playing, Wash turns to walk away. Mal calls out to him. It wasn't where you're going or anything. It was just a a call. And Wash's first reaction was to tell him that they were two days out at hard burn. And that was it. He just turns and walks up the sets. That Wash had already made the decision that they were going. He knew that they were going to go. Yeah, exactly. So, like you said, Dan, Wash said, rather well, than he didn't even have to ask, Wash said, "Oh yeah, we can get there in two days. Let's go." So Wash had already made the decision that he knew that Mal would make anyway. Yeah, and I think anyone would in that situation. Yeah, even and, Jane. Yeah, and uh, no, Mal says to um, Anara that. Um, this might make your schedule a little and he, she cuts him off and says it doesn't matter so immediately replacing Serenity on the docking platform is a quite a cool looking ship with a, quite a bad looking man in an alliance uniform definitely looks like it's like from the, the space FBI if the guys with the blue hands are the space CIA this guy's definitely space FBI yeah this guy actually looks like the character that I've heard people describe as Steve He's the protagonist of 85% of video games. <laughs> He's got short hair, stubble, and is needlessly stoic and aggressive. <laughs> what you're saying is he is you know, man-shep. Exactly. I'm sure I've seen him in another sci-fi thing. I can't place him there. Um, I did look him up on IMDb because I thought that, and I didn't recognise any of the programmes that he'd been in. At first I thought he was the guy that played Garibaldi in the Babylon 5 series, but it's not. No. He does look a little bit like him, but it's not him. But anyway, there's some good old uh, harassment of the postal service going on here. It's a bit of a shakedown, isn't there? It is. It's, I thought it was going to get quite really quite dark, as opposed to just 
you know, fairly dark. Yeah, there's because in case our listeners haven't watched the episode for some reason, even though we told you to. I mean, seriously, guys. In case <laughs> yeah. they haven't, um, you should know the format by now. Do your homework. To be fair, I think at least half of the listeners don't watch the episode because they don't really care about Firefly. Anyway, they threatened to t- light this guy on fire. <laughs> Just must have a little spray bottle that's not got a mace in it. It's got cooking oil and a packet of matches. Cooking oil? I'm not sure that's what you'd want. You want barbecue lighter fluid, surely? Well, no, because I'm one of that is it burns slowly. It wasn't it burns hot? I'm just imagining olive oil, and I don't imagine that would that would be more annoying than terrifying. <laughs> Having a quick look at the IMDb, this was the last one shown. Oh, did they actually show it on TV then? I thought this was one of the ones that they just cut entirely. Yeah, yeah, this made it into 2003, but they aired 11 episodes in 2002, finishing with Serenity on December 20th. Then in 2003 got um, 23rd of June 21st of July and the 28th of July oh, so like they did the normal series I say normal series quote unquote norm, normal for Fox series ending with a, objects in space then did the pilot for some reason and six months later broadcast three odd episodes yeah right that because that Fair makes enough. loads of sense so we're now having a bit of a, a cut around Serenity to see how everyone's dealing with it and uh, Kaylee's in a hammock in the engine room listening to the little mp3 player recording Jane's working the out eulogy, as it were. kind of yeah keeping watch over the coffin I quite like this little exchange between Jane and Shepard because we've seen them interacting around the, the gym equipment before hmm. and they're probably the most mismatched characters but they seem to get on and have a little discussion about um, mortality I think Jane quite likes how much knowledge Shepard has of the criminal underworld and stuff hmm. but hey here comes River to really weird everything out <laughs> As she climbs on top of the coffin. That's not the best place. I'm very comfortable. I thought if nothing else, it'd be quite cold lying on top of a big aluminium coffin. No, I like the way that they have uh, Shepard's comment of, I guess, people deal with death in all different ways. And then cut to the galley, and Zoe, Mao, and Anara are all sat around the table getting drunk and laughing. Which. Is not unsurprising given Mal and Zoe are both ex-military, and that is generally the way the military deal with stuff like that: is get sh- get shit-faced, yeah, and make a joke out of it. Although you do also see Inara put to put to use some excellent listening skills. This is active listening right here. Active listening, getting drawing it out of them, and uh, yeah, getting them to retell, regale, sorry, the story of when uh, Tracy stole the colonel's moustache and wore it to parade the next morning. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how you shave off someone's moustache and then wear it. Maybe a bit of double-sided sticky tape would stick the hair to it. Yeah, that's... You have to reassemble it carefully. <laughs> Super glue and tweezers. If it's really waxed, though, you know, it may just hold its shape. If you can just get in underneath it, just <laughs> really carefully. Just get some sellotape onto it and then just peel the whole thing off. Oh. I think if it was pre-varnished. Oh, that was a big explosion. Oh, ship shakes. I was distracted then, so I didn't see if they had to do a bit of... Um... Star Trek shaky Star cam Trek. vision. Yeah, they did. There's a little bit of shaky cam, and everyone has a bit of this. But then, if they put the whole of the Serenity on the soundstage, they may have been able to shake the whole thing. For, for all those listening, me and Paul did shake and wobble from side to side. <laughs> Very Star Trek esque. It's like, oh, we're turning left. On YouTube, you can find footage of battle scenes from Star Trek where they've restabilized the footage. <laughs> <laughs> Revealing that it is just Shakespearean actors throwing themselves around in their chairs. <laughs> so now we have space FBI bad man laying down an ultimatum. 
and Mal having none of it. Really confusing Mal in the process, though, to start with, because they they assume that it's for the Lassiter and they've been tracked until he mentions a crate. Yeah, the second mention of the previously on Firefly bit. So now they're trying to see if there's anything else being smuggled with his corpse. Checking his pockets, which um, Kaylee finds quite outrageous that they're checking his pockets. Right, he's, he's dead. He's got no use for his pockets. Yeah, I don't know if this was intentional, but over the course of this episode, I came to like Jane more and Kaylee slightly less. Yeah, Jane does redeem himself a bit in this. He opens himself to be a bit of a family man. He's still wearing his mum's hat. Yeah, that's true. We didn't mention it at the time, but it is revealed that he is sending money home. And Simon is now doing an autopsy to see if they are smuggling something inside his corpse. And he's found a scar where they've opened him up before. They've got like a um, 30 to 60 second scene where he's hovering the scalpel and it just was, I found it incredibly hard to watch. (laughs) Yeah, and then as soon as he cuts him open, it's like, ah, I'm not dead. Cut to our break. (laughs) I think Jane was hoping for gold. Yeah. He's like, maybe it's gold. And so he's kind of, Jane, that's our friend. It's like, yeah. And I was just saying, gold. He probably would have been heavier if it had been gold. (laughs) (laughs) Make more of a thud when you put him down. So it's now Mel straddling him, getting him to calm down, and he's just realised that he's naked. He's got a blue sun tattoo on his shoulder. He has. I don't know if that's supposed to mean something or if it's just a tattoo that he has on his shoulder, a bit like uh, Nathan Fillion's. Hmm. There he is. And so I'm just trying to work out what he's he's taken. I just asks Jane to hand over the bedpan. I don't know whether it's the same uh, potion from Romeo and Juliet slash Ariel. Yeah, that's exactly it. And Jane gets the bedpan there just in time for him to throw up into. So now we get a the, the bit of exposition and discover what this week's MacGuffin is. Yeah, why you got yourself corpsified and mailed to me? Yeah, second instance in the series of the word corpsified. It's a possibly word. the second instance in all of language of the word corpsified. I don't know. I must have, unless it's subliminal that I remembered it from earlier in the series. But I was thinking of him having been corpsified. I don't want to alarm you, but we may be having an, a medical emergency here. Well, that's just because he's just stuck on an ECG, and um, turns out his heart's not connected to anything. I'm a bit vague on how the medicine works. Yeah, I'm not quite sure about this. Okay, so from what I gathered was they took out all of his innards, they put in all the batch-grown stuff for him to get to the drop point, and then they were going to cut him open again, take out their insides and put his insides back. I see two interpretations of that. One is that he's got a suitcase somewhere full of all his own natural organs. <laughs> the second is that Tracy wasn't paying enough attention during briefing and got it slightly wrong. It's the fact that they're okay to transport his innards in a suitcase but not their vat-grown ones. Yeah, we can only assume that the vat-grown ones are worth quite a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, but what, did, what was he going to do when he got to the second buyer? Oh yeah, heads up, he's decided to double-cross the people that have taken all his insides and sell the new insides to a higher bidder. Yeah, you would have thought that would be pretty strong collateral. I have your literal heart. Yeah, it's here, in my hand. <laughs> and here's your liver as well. <laughs> the new buyer just got a bunch of spare parts lying around. Ah, so yeah, I'd forgotten that. He said that he um, is better off a three times the amount to get his parents off that rock. Which would obviously imply that he wouldn't have anything to replace it with. I, I took that as though he was going to get paid three times as much, get some second-hand organs and move his parents out. Possibly. You can see Kaylee automatically wants to be on his side, whereas 
Mal and Zuri are a little bit suspicious, even though they know him. Hmm. Or maybe because they know him. True. Yeah. Uh, like um, Simon said to us, she always sees the bright side in everything. She, she always sees the good. <laughs> now your dead buddy's on the bridge. This is a role that Wash has been in more than once before, actually. It's is you've assumed that everyone was kind of caught up in the meantime but then it turns out Wash was busy at the time <laughs> same thing it happened when it was, they were getting the debriefing from um, Yolanda or possibly Saffron at that point and Wash breaks in with how is she here <laughs> why are we allowing her on the ship in the first place aren't we in space well he does have a job to do he's the only one that has a constant job to do so they've now talked him into letting them land yeah there was a little throwaway thing there which is uh, Mal did a thing where he put his hand over the camera to talk to someone else in the room without being on the scope call but that implies that the camera and screen are at like 90 degrees to each other so were they all seeing like the top of his head whenever he's speaking <laughs> possibly but however if I do this can you guys not hear me anymore <laughs> <laughs> I think you can guess what I've just done <laughs> what a big boy you are damn damn Kelly and Tracy are having a moment I, I thought that there was going to be some shenanigans going on I, I wasn't sure but it would have been a little bit just to spite Simon. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of think the uh, spat with Simon was kind of amped up to make the slight appeal of Tracy seem more than it was would otherwise have been. I like that they have had Shepard just sat on the bridge watching other instrumentation. Quietly yeah, I don't know if he was doing something useful there or if he was just if that was just your nearest place to sit and not fall over. He was looking at the map and had seen that there was a, an alliance station sort of 50 clicks away for this alliance agent hasn't got in touch with them. When uh, Mal was telling Wash to stall them, Shepard said that they'd take care of it and he stayed on the bridge with Wash. So you can assume that he's been finagling with FBI guy. Yeah, they've all had a lot of bluff rolls to make up on the deck there. <laughs> this is another bit, Nathan, again, that you said before that you like it. It's uh, Wash having to work hard at being good at his job rather than just being effortless. Yes. Yeah, flying through a narrow canyon, which is not something spaceships typically have to do. Except possibly an X-Wing. <laughs> yeah, Serenity in particular, not a uh, a nimble-looking craft. But she's quite nimble. He throws her around a little bit. Well, he's good, but he's not quite not quite Ray good. <laughs> Nobody's that good. <laughs> okay, Alan Tudyk's done a fantastic job of physical acting for Wash, with his having to do work. He's very demonstrative. But so is Mal, kind of standing good up work. on the bridge doing some... You know, Star Trek bridge shaking. I think they, they all had some bridge shaking in that one. Yeah, for an episode where we've already had a, thro- a flashback to war, there is quite a warlike scene coming up. It is the U-boat listening to depth charges moment. Yeah, yeah, quite literally. Except that the water is a mountain in this case. It's it's more like a Millennium Falcon inside asteroid. Has we ever got tassels on the bottom of her flares? Yes, she has, and she's wearing shoes. Hmm. Which we did notice previously that she started to wear shoes. Ah, but I hadn't noticed that before as well. She was counting the time mm. between the explosions and the uh, the flash of them to see if it's coming or going. I love that Jane's still wearing that hat. <laughs> Does he have it on in the film? I don't know. Mm, I don't remember it from the film. Oh, I can't remember either. I know that Shepard is giving Mal the, his only way out, or what is meant to be the only way out, just as Tracy steps onto the bridge and they're talking about letting the guys on the boat. Yeah, this is a another kind of repeated scene, because didn't this happen in the... Well, kind of, almost happened in the pilot, when they implicitly are going to give up Simon... No, sorry, in one of the later episodes, Bushwhacked. Um, when they have to say to Simon, you know, run, get river. 
Yeah, and and for some reason they refuse to actually just say, yeah, no, don't worry, it's cool. Yeah. The difference being here, their failure to say that has results in a a gunfight, basically. Well, that's an unusual way of doing something in for, for Firefly, is in that they've done it very much from uh, Tracy's limited perspective. Mm. Whereas normally we've seen everything that any of the crew have seen as well. Mm. But it's not immediately obvious, because you're used to that, it's not immediately obvious that we don't know everything that sort of Mal, Shepard and Zoe, etc. know, and that Tracy doesn't. Uh, Shepard did try to start to explain what was going on, and Tracy cut him off and then started threatening people. I think if he hadn't threatened so many people, Mao would have been a little bit more forthcoming rather than falling back into sergeant mode. Yeah, but he gets into an ego contest when they had lots of opportunities to just say, seriously, chill, it'll be fine. Hmm. That's a good graze on Wash's head. Yeah, that tense situation is resolved by um, Zoe just shooting the guy. <laughs> Which I guess has resolved a lot of tense situations in the past. As he How shot her husband. Dead? Well, yeah. not Special so organs and stuff. But that, I would say that's pretty much to his heart. But he's now trying to take Kaylee hostage. And try and get her to fly a shuttle for him. Yeah, it's his transition from um, misunderstood, awkward, old college, old war buddy to outright villain. Mm. It's the point where he's meant to lose the sympathy of the audience. I mean, are, we, I mean, are we meant to infer that their weapons can be dialed back to an almost stun mode? Because she was, we've seen her shotgun take down armoured men from a distance and she was stood right mm, next that's to That's an interesting thought. Well I kind of thought it was because he's got some like super special synthetic organs inside him. I thought it was dramatic license. <laughs> it probably is dramatic license. Or that, that um, well I, I guess we've kind of seen it. We've rationalised it as Mal is just un- inhumanly tough. <laughs> but the general rule is protagonists can survive between two and five bullets. Whereas your average villain is between zero and one, depending on how senior they are. <laughs> and he's quite an important villain at this point in time. I'd, I'd like to think that that shot from Zari had been dialed back and was a warning shot because they don't want to kill him. No, the, the the plan isn't to hand him over. They don't want him dead, but he's kind of forcing the hand. And if at that point he had dropped his weapon and given him a chance to explain the situation would have de-escalated but in taking Kaylee hostage it forced their hand yeah but they've now come and landed in the clearing with the alliance Mr FBI or as it's actually revealed in this scene um, people who happen to be FBI but are actually just smugglers yeah just in it for themselves they are here in their capacity as smugglers anyway yeah the Local law enforcement at way outside their jurisdiction. They also obviously haven't seen all the stuff on the cortex about um, Simon and River. Yeah, that's a good point. Either haven't seen it or just don't draw, connect the dots. Yeah, I mean they they are kind of busy. Mm. And they haven't seen Simon and River. Was River not on the top of the gantry? I'm trying to, no, I I'm trying to watch Kaylee. out for. Then it was Kaylee and Tracy up on the gantry with Mal. Yeah, just as an aside, that's a, a Glock 17 or 18 that he's using. I like spotting real weapons in his. <laughs> Shepard just talking him down. It's at that point that he knows that they know that he's bullshitting. Not got a leg to stand on. He's currently outnumbered, outgunned, outpositioned. But the comment about Jane's hat on the way out the door, that was uncalled for. <laughs> I don't know, I thought that was the everyone's thinking it. 
<laughs> True. I like the cunning hat. No, I think you're right, Dan. I don't think Simon and River were in the cargo hold at that point. And this scene brings us full circle back round. This is quite touching. Tracy's redemption. Yeah, you, being a, a named character, you get to a lengthy death scene. <laughs> and a chance to apologise. Yeah. It's like an opera where it takes sort of 15 minutes <laughs> to get killed and 30 minutes to die. How long does it take to die? As long as it takes warp drive to get you anywhere. <laughs> exactly <laughs> as long as needed. Although, a question for you guys here. Why do you think it is that he's having a battlefield-style death leaned up against a pillar as opposed to... Being rushed down to the infirmary. Exactly. Is that because <laughs> we've skipped over the scene where Simon goes, Jesus, looks pretty rough. I'd just leave him where he was if I was you. Or is it because Mal and Zoe have kind of decided that maybe it's better he doesn't live through this? Maybe. Because that puts quite a different spin on it if they kind of choose to let him die. And I don't think that's what it is. I mean, Simon was there at the beginning of the death scene and yeah. he wasn't at the end. So mm. he may have taken a look and gone, this isn't good, I'll be back, and then headed down to the infirmary and Tracy's just expired before he's gotten back. That's possible, yeah. So they just skimmed over that for the interests of having a death soliloquy as opposed to a really chaotic and confusing scene which is sending him dying anyway. Yeah. Is this the first time we've seen snow in the series? I think so. Everything else has been hot desert scrub or um, maybe some temperate stuff on... I don't think uh, we've, we've not even seen rain, have we? No. No. It is the second time we've seen Wash's Amazing Wally Jumper, but that's because the life support was failing last time. Hmm. How did we, we see Jane take his hat off out of respect, and he's quite torn up by the whole thing? Well, I think a lot of the characters here um, identified in some way with um, Tracy, either because they were soldiers as well and could imagine having failed to be veterans in the way that Tracy did. Or because, like Jane, they just recognise that um, death is a constant companion in their chosen lifestyle. Now at the end, it's, it's come up with the screenshot for the next one. Anara's got some nice cleavage in that photo. Uh, yeah, she has. With someone that either appears to be either having a really, really difficult poo or possibly a baby. <laughs> Based on the description, I'm guessing probably a baby. <laughs> Based on this screenshot, guess what's happening in this episode? To be fair, she may be doing she may be doing both. She may be doing both. She may be doing both. Well, since neither of you have, um, well, I say this, I don't know for a fact, neither of you have been in the delivery room. The unfortunate truth is, there is more often both than you might imagine. (laughs) (laughs) So I've heard. Yeah, I have heard rumours. The human body is disgusting. The human body is disgusting. If I'd been, writing, been a writer on TNG, Data would have said that about two episodes out of every four. <laughs> I was going to say two out of three at first, which is why it was a weird fraction, but I thought, no, that's a bit strong. <laughs> Dial it back. <laughs> right then. Next time on Remedial Nerding. Heart of Gold. Episode 13 of Firefly, 14 of the podcast, and the penultimate episode of the series. Mm. Yeah, I think with this episode we started on a slightly sadder arc that continues to the end of the series. Yeah. The Netflix description of the next one. The Serenity crew defends a bordello against a gunslinger who got a prostitute pregnant and now intends to collect the child. I I get the feeling that that is all going to be laid out pretty quickly and then we just get to watch action ensue. I I don't think that Netflix has spoiled too much for us there. Not like this episode then. Mm. Yeah. 
Let's say Netflix spoils these things. I'm pretty sure the Radio Times would have had a pretty similar description. It probably would. I mean, there are people that are paid to write these things. It's kind of a balance between giving stuff away, but also making it appealing and getting people to watch it. This week, the crew does stuff. You might enjoy it. <laughs> now, stuff. Later, more stuff. And then after that, possibly some more stuff. Or possibly the test card. I have uh, shared a link with you in the Skype text thing, which you can may or may not be able to see, which is a little bit of raw footage from on set of this episode. It's about a minute and a half or something like that. <laughs> I did wonder what was going on for a second there, and now I've got it. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We need to make sure that gets put into the text of the post when it gets posted online. <laughs> I love it. But until Simon starts cracking up, I wasn't entirely sure what was going on. I think that's us. On that somewhat amusing note, with a rather a bit of a, uh, it's a wrap. change of tack. <laughs> hey, now that that's pretty good actually. Now then, we might use that one. You finally found a cheesy line you like. Well, you found a cheesy line that me and Nathan could possibly live with. <laughs> I still don't know what's wrong with Goodbye Internet. Everything is wrong with Goodbye Internet. We could go old school city. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Old school city. Sooty. Okay. I'm assuming he means sooty and sweet, but given that I don't ever remember sooty or sweet saying anything, and I can't remember the TV show. No, they, they didn't. It was well, maybe we should add Matthew it to the document. I don't think I'm not entirely sure hand puppets in nerd yeah. culture. I assumed you were talking about Manchester City. No. How long have you known me? When would I ever talk about football? You silly bitch. I guess that is outside our remit. Alright, on that note, until next time. That's a wrap. Well done. <laughs> I've ruined it. I'm too tired. That's it for this week, peeps. Tune in next time for more remedial nerding.